Good morning, everyone. So, my friends, last year on Palm Sunday, I focused on the first gospel reading at the door. And then last night I spoke uh, on this. Uh, but I made a note to myself that last year I spoke to you guys, the 8.30 and 11 o'clock masses, about the first reading. Uh, so I will go to the main reading, this gospel reading. And having heard two gospels, as I'm pointing out, it would seem that there's not much to add to the narrative of these readings, especially with the passion of the Lord. But my friends, of late, I know that it speaks to each of us in many ways, this passion account. It speaks to some emotionally, for some it speaks spiritually, and uh, for others um, in such a personal way. And today all of us, we have palms, and some will make crosses of them. Last night they were making them as I was giving the homily, I was watching them. And some will take the palms home and put them onto crosses, and some will put them, uh, attach them to statues or holy pictures in their homes. And the palms serve to remind us uh, of what happened on the Palm Sunday. Although in Jesus' time, palms were very common, um, they were found everywhere along with the uh, um, olive branches, um, and they did not have much value in Jesus' time, but the people used these with great value. The people used the palms to triumphantly welcome Jesus. The people waved the palms to honor Jesus as he came toward Jerusalem after the raising of Lazarus. This is happening right after he raised his friend from the dead. We all know that many, if not most, of those people who acclaimed Jesus would turn against him just a few days later as he hung on the cross. Thus the palms remind us also of that. I would suggest the palms now serve to remind us of some other things. First, they remind us of, the, of human folly, how quickly today's heroes become tomorrow's villains. Today's acclaim becomes next week's disdain. If you build your lives dependent on human acclaim and human popular opinion, you are building your lives on wind that comes and goes and changes. Second, the poems place us within the passion account itself. The characters of the passion are not made up fictional beings. And in fact, I would say they represent us now. Some can identify with Peter's denial, with Judas's betrayal, with the disciples running scared, with Pilate's cowardice, with the leader's cynicism, and with the crowd's fickleness. We all have a place in the passion story. The palms remind us of that also. The palms remind us also of Christ's love. Despite what all these people had done to him, Jesus suffered and died for each one of them. His love, his truth, his forgiveness, and his grace are the foundations on which we can absolutely rely. And despite our failures, in him we can have a new and full life 
My friends, the palms remind us of that. Today, the beginning of Holy Week, we begin to focus more intently now on the heart of the mystery of salvation itself. And my friends, as we heard from the Passion account, the second gospel read, it is a mystery of dying and of rising. It is the mystery of humiliation and exaltation, the mystery of suffering and glorification, the mystery of death in order to live eternally. As told in today's gospel, it is an account of a, the suffering and pain of Jesus, and it is the story of a man whose loneliness and being misunderstood began from his beginning, born, and it lasted to the very end of his life. Jesus' agonizing death was that of the servant of God, who had emptied himself in loving obedience of his heavenly Father, and for you, and for me. He did this out of love. And a lot of times love doesn't make sense, so we will not be able to reason this, why it had to be this way. Just accept that it was done because of love. There you will find the balm of Gilead you look for. Jesus' passion is a paradox. It is a story of a suffering servant who at the same time is a royal figure who will be glorified. On this day, we celebrate the victory of Christ as he enters into Jerusalem and the beginning of victory over sin that will happen with his resurrection. And that sin was disobedience to God. But Jesus, through his passion and death and resurrection, nullified that, took it away, that sin of disobedience, was wiped away by the absolute obedience of Jesus to his Father's will. You hold in your hands palm branches, a symbol of that victory. Today and through all of this solemn Holy Week, we should give thanks to God for his mighty deeds. Reflect on his saving love and renew our commitment to draw closer to him through Christ. I encourage all of you to spend this Holy Week with Christ, Jesus was surrounded by people shouting, Hosanna! But when Good Friday would come, all but three women and the Blessed One, the Blessed One that he loved, was at a distance from him. But all the rest took off. And Jesus cried out from the depths of loneliness, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But my friends, Jesus is quoting scriptures, and in particular, this quote comes from Psalm 22. And it's not words of despair. It's an acknowledgement of the loneliness he had in this world. But Psalm 22 shows the great confidence in God, his Father. Go and read it. It's a beautiful psalm. He was probably praying it, and those would be his, some of his last words. So, my friends, the question is, what will you do? You are his disciples today. And as the scriptures call for, you are to testify to him. And in this world, that will be difficult for you. Because most of the world does not like his truth. They do not like his ways. And therefore, they do not like God. But you are called... Jerusalem now is this city of Gig Harbor, 
in this state of Washington, in this country of the United States of America, you are called to be his disciples. You are called to testify to him. We read the account where the people were testifying against him. So this is your time. Not next year, not next month, not next week. Now is your time to stand up and to testify to his love and to his mercy and to his kindness, to his truth and to his ways. My friends, one of the things that the scriptures do for us, they confirm Jesus as Savior. And one of the things that rings out for me that the scriptures of today talk about is that in order that the scriptures should be fulfilled, and this is how it came to be. And Jesus, um, in the scriptures, the New Testament, Amen, I say to you, one will betray me. He who has dipped his hand into the dish with me is the one who will betray me, Matthew 26. This was the fulfillment of the words found in Psalm 41. Even my trusted friend who ate my bread has raised his heel against me. How many Christians who claim Jesus as Savior does the same thing? Because they do not fully live as disciples. Or they choose the ways of the world instead. Pilate said, do you not hear how many things they are testifying against you? But Jesus did not answer him one word. And we are told the governor was greatly amazed. The fourth song of the servant of God in the book of the prophet Isaiah 53 says this. Though harshly treated, he submitted and did not open his mouth. Like a lamb led to slaughter, or a sheep silent before its shearers. He did not open his mouth. And as you heard this morning, they spat in his face and struck him. In that first reading from Isaiah chapter 50, it says, I gave my back to those who beat me, my cheeks to those who tore out my beard, my face I did not hide from insults and spitting. We were told one of them went to get a sponge soaked in wine and putting it on a reed, tried to make Jesus drink it. The detail is minor, but it foretold something. Psalm 69, they gave me poison for my food and for my thirst they gave me gall, vinegar. After they had crucified him, they divided his garments Matthew Gospel will tell us as we hear on Friday. The Roman soldiers cast lots for Jesus, for his clothes, and they did not know in this way that they were actually fulfilling the Old Testament also. Psalm 22, they divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. All these prophecies confirm Jesus, Messiah, King, Lord, Son of God. And he asks each of you, just as he asked Peter, who do you think that I am? Who am I to you? And your answer is everything. 
And if you answer, you are Lord and Savior, your life had better reflect that. My friends, there's no other greater time in our history that the world needs Christians to be Christians, to testify to Christ. A world that looks for love, it really does, looks for hope, looks for things that matter, for truth, things that are eternal, the sacred. Jesus has the answers. You are the ones that he wants to deliver that message, all of you, by word and by action. When I look, how do we make God smile? That's even possible. And it is because Jesus is the icon and he smiled along with cried and laughed. Go about loving each other and having respect for you are made in his image. You are his sons and daughters. The scripture says he made them male and female in his image. Therefore, treat each other with respect and with dignity. This will make God smile. This will give him glory. Amen? Friends, at the beginning of Holy Week, we have many, many opportunities for prayer inside the church. Of course, prayer is good no matter where it is offered, in your homes, in your workplaces, when you go to Costco. Maybe say grace before you take the free handout. That would be a great testimony for people. You see how easy it can be. For those who remembered and had read and wore them today, thank you.